Fat Val Kilmer. Well, he screams sandwich. I love pastries. Fat Val Kilmer. Fat Val Kilmer. Sorry. of RPG fan, of course. I just wanted to say happy 50th podcasting anniversary or whatever it's being called. <laughs> happy 50th podcast. Anyway, so I just wanted to just say how I got into RPGs. Well, I grew up with mostly Nintendo systems and one of the Ataris. Don't ask me which one, though, because I was really young. So I always grew up playing Mario games, especially and, of course, I would always rent or buy the new one whenever it came out. And I don't really do that anymore. Anyway, when Mario, Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars came out in the mid-90s, I rented it a couple of times. But I didn't actually beat it until maybe when I was in grade 12 when I rented it again. And that was actually my first RPG, weirdly enough. But it didn't actually get me into RPGs. Anyway, as it turns out, my friend from school was at the same time playing Chrono Trigger. So one day we were randomly talking about video games, and she's like, yeah, I'm playing this game called Chrono Trigger. I've never heard of it. And I was like, I've never heard of it. And she described it to me, and I was like, oh, that kind of sounds like what I'm playing, like talking about the stats, HP, you know, the turn-based system and all that, because for both of us, they were our first RPGs. So, So we ended up trying each other's games out, and... We ended up both liking Chrono Trigger a lot more. So I just kind of, after Super Mario RPG, I just kind of got hooked on Chrono Trigger that summer, and then that's how I got into RPGs. Started renting everything else, like Final Fantasy III, now known as Six, And then I got a PlayStation later, and the rest is history. Right hip Derek is a hamburger. Like, you're the first person to ever say that. I've been dealing with that since kindergarten. We're going to go ahead and assume that you didn't say that, and we're going to just give me the credit, because I prefer it that way. Okay, that's fine. Go ahead. So, uh, yeah. Uh, this is episode 50. We have made it all the way through, and, uh, yeah, I think it's time to end the podcast, guys. Okay. Uh, bye. It's been great. Bye. Oh, thanks. thanks. Actually, Stephen would just take that on, too, so then he'd be soundtracks, editor, master of the podcast. Can we give him any more titles? Just keep throwing. I only have two titles. I'm an editor and I'm a and I'm a soundtrack guy. Oh boy. Okay. So uh, yeah, we got games to talk about today. Uh, interspersed in there, we are also going to have uh, people from the website giving little anecdotes about their thoughts on the video game industry. Just giving them a chance to talk and uh, you know get their thoughts out there. We're probably never going to do this again because it'll be a terrible idea. And yeah, before we do that, uh, Derek, tell me how much you hate the last story. You are just, those are some leading questions right there, sir. But, so the last story is a game, and it's not the best game ever. Uh, um, I think that the last story, and and I said this before on our warm-up, and I I can't take credit for this quote, but I think that the last story is a game that suffers a lot from its pedigree because, you know, it has the name Hironobu Sakaguchi attached to it. 
which, if you don't know, is the creator of the original Final Fantasy. And he's been involved with the series and other Square Enix things for, you know, quite a long time. So the game was developed by Mistwalker, we think. Um, that, that's the... We were discussing that also. Um, John oh, thinks that yeah, I didn't, I didn't do any else. research. Mistwalker's a planning studio, so they don't tend to develop things themselves. But... Really? Uh, yeah. So yeah, well, like, like Lost Odyssey was developed by Fuel Plus. Really? I didn't know that. Now I have to give Fuel Plus all the credit for one of my favorite Xbox games. Yeah, I'd say well, I'd say the last story is probably between, in, in terms of quality, it's probably between Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon in the middle, where Lost Odyssey is, I would say, is the best of those, and Blue Dragon is the worst. Um, but I, I don't want to say that I hate the last story, and I also want to say that I really love exceed and i love that they brought it to the u.s and i love that they put a lot of work into making sure that you know that the packaging was great because that is a gorgeous box the soundtrack and the art book and everything uh, i know the soundtrack was a pre-order bonus but you know the, everything about the game you look at it and you're like this game is going to be awesome and then you play it and then it's not so awesome and it's kind of a roller coaster in terms of quality at least it was for me um, I was actually really uninterested in the beginning of the game and then started to get more interested later on. But it's just, I don't think it's the game that we were all hoping for of the Operation Rainfall games. We still haven't gotten Pandora's Tower. And I am an unabashed, gigantic fan of Xenoblade. So I don't really want to talk about that too much. But I don't think that the last story is, you know, the next amazing game that we were all waiting for. Whereas Xenoblade was. But uh, I don't know. What do you want to know? I mean... I, I guess my only real th exposure to this game has been some of the trailers that I've watched, and it's like a uh, a cover-based sword game, and I'm just like, what the hell is, like... It, to me, it looks like a Japanese attempt at Mass Effect. Yeah, I've heard it described as Gears of RPG, which I think is not too far off in terms of how the combat works. Um, it's got like a... Okay, so... The way that, by default, the way that you attack is you just run up to enemies, and it's not really so much that you have... It's not like an MMO-style game like FF12 or Xenoblade where you have a delay on your weapon. It's just kind of a... It's it's set. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what weapon you have equipped. If you run up to an enemy, you'll start slashing with your sword if you press into them. And you can switch that to manual, which I think makes it feel a little bit better, where, where you press A, but you actually do a little bit less damage when it's on manual, so it kind of, it's like it's steering you towards auto. But it's got the cover-based system, and they want you, before any major battle, which pretty much, well, not pretty much, but every battle in the game is scripted. Like, you'll be in an area, and enemies will pop up at a certain place. So they usually show you a bird's-eye view, and they'll say, you know, we've got mages over there, we've got archers there, so we need to take them out. And at the beginning, it gives the illusion of strategy. And I hate to say that because it seems like they put a lot of work into planning out the positions of the enemies and the encounters, but it feels really fake, like completely it, fake strategy, because whether there's mages or not, you can just run up to them and hit them. It doesn't matter. You, isn't it you kind just of, win. If I recall, I remember a lot of criticisms I heard towards it said that also, with every battle, it's either you can just run up and do whatever you want, or it's so specific what you have to do that it's not strategy. It's let's guess what the correct solution to this fight is. Uh, I don't know about that. I think the boss fights usually have gimmicks, like you have to uh, hit him so many, like you have to hit him with fire and then diffuse a fire circle, and then you can start damaging him, or 
you know, whatever, like move above and hit him with a dash attack and then he'll start taking more damage or actually taking damage. But for the most part, I mean, they're really easy to figure out and there isn't much actual strategy. Like one thing that I think is really weird and busted is you have a, the, so the main character has the gathering ability that you toggle and it makes all of the enemy aggro draw to him, which you use to draw attention away so that your mages can cast and so on. But you get that really early in the game, but and it's supposed to be the focal point of the combat, but I don't think that it's a really... It's not a really engaging mechanic. Like, see what I did there? Engaging? No, it, but it, you use it, and it's not. it doesn't make you feel incredibly powerful, and it doesn't feel unique. I don't really know what I'm trying to get at, but well, one thing about it is... So if you have the gathering ability active, you have this light coming out of your hand, and the enemies are all focused on you. And if you press the button to take cover when you're next to a wall whether it's a small wall or, like, the wall right next to the enemy, all of the enemies will temporarily lose their attention on you, and they'll all get little question marks above their heads, and you can do extra damage, to the point where there could be an enemy a foot away from you that is staring at you in the face. And if you take cover on the wall to your right, where you're still in plain sight of the enemy, the enemy will still be like, huh, where'd you go? Huh? Hey, that sounds like one of Rob's favorite games. I have no idea what you're talking and about. What was and that you can do you can do a slash attack that does you know extra damage and in the early parts of the game at least you can abuse it i mean you just you hit cover like slash these. cover slash and you win there is no strategy at all and even late game strategy doesn't really it nothing ever ramps up like it just it feels like a really stunted combat system i i find it very interesting that derek's attacking it like that because n not to go too far back to a game that we talked about before, but I, I want to bring it up again because I made the point that I very easily started to abuse the combat system in Skyward Sword, and it got to the point where, like, I was just flicking the controller and winning every fight. And I had a couple people that were like, well, that's not the game's fault. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of is. Like, if, if your game's that easy to abuse, you kind of did something wrong if that's what you're going for. I don't really feel like that. I, I really didn't feel like you could ever pull that off in Skyward Sword, except for like the first part of the game. But I mean, I, I agree with the theory behind what you're saying. I, I was still having it work up to the fourth dungeon is what I'm saying. So like maybe it was going to go away. But like, I, I think what Derek's hinting at is when you you have this really big system, but it doesn't matter because it can you can break the game at its fundamental level. Like we're, we're talking about like old school shooter games where like, the, like the Deus Ex kneeling in front of somebody, and all of a sudden they'd forget that you're there. Like, yeah, that's how the last story feels in combat a lot of the time. Ooh. Like the the enemies just don't know that you're there, and you just destroy them. And you also it doesn't help that you have five lives. You can die every every battle. You get refreshed back up to five lives, and you can lose all your HP, and you get revived, and you can revive all your party members up to five times per skirmish. So there is no so way you could never fail, Unless, except for I died during the last boss because the last boss has really high damaging attacks and you have to learn how to block them. But that was the only time that it ever felt really strategic. So, so that's not OK for the entire game to be easy up until the last boss. There are some interest instances, sorry, of actual strategy or unique boss gimmicks, like I said before, but it never wowed me like even. Even games like, I know it's it's pretty different, but say in FF10, you have that boss really early in the game where you have to use the command to swim around, you know what I'm talking about, in the Undersea Ruins? Yep. I mean, that's that's a gimmick because you had to 
position yourselves to defeat the boss. But it still felt interesting, I guess, whereas things in the last story are like, okay, so here's a boss where I'm going to have to defense break him. Okay, I know how I'm going to do that. And then you just win. And I have another complaint that I'd like to move on to if you guys don't have any more questions about the battle system. Okay. So the character models in the game are all the same. Every character is based off of the same model, but they have a different hair and face and, you know, height, really. Which wait, I think wait, is... Wait, 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 wait. So every male and female is identical, just the females have slightly inflated chests and different haircuts? Basically, yeah. So awesome. all of because all of the armor sets are identical between all the characters, and if you look at some of the concept art, each character has a unique outfit, and they look neat. But then you realize that you could just take one character's armor and equip it on the other, and it's just it's not even like it's Yurik's armor or, Manami, or Marania's armor. It's like, you know, Hunter Top. So you can equip Hunter Top on anybody, and it'll look the same, except for, like you said, the girls will have some cleavage, really. So... I, I, that feels so lazy to me. Like, they they all use the same character models, and they all use the same animations. So, if any... They have different... Well, like... Um, I'm, I keep coming up with the Japanese names. What's her name? Seren? S even though it's, like, Seiren in Japanese. Seren has a different fighting stance, but just about everybody uses the same outside of battle animations. Like, you'll see people doing a, a jump wave or are just idle animations and they're all identical and that bugs me so much because it makes them feel really lifeless like it doesn't matter which characters in your party or what anybody has equipped and an example of that is Callista the noble girl that you meet that's supposed to be the heroine of the game you meet her pretty early on and she's a shelter girl that's never been outside of the castle where she lives and right after she joins your party you know you want to equip her with some different armor so you can equip her with hunter armor which is the same thing that Seren has and it has tattoos that go down one of her arms and it, the same thing happens when you equip it on Callista, and that really bugs me for some reason like yeah this girl that just left the castle is going to have tattoos everywhere it just feels really out of place with her character do you think that this is coming as a result of it being a smaller studio game though like maybe um, it isn't though i i really don't think that that mistwalker is not a a low budget company i i kind of attributed it to the fact that it's a wii game and i think people think that they can be lazy because it, it doesn't matter as much yeah and a point that i made earlier about that is that it's not it's not a game that suffers because it's on the wii necessarily it suffers because it has poor design in a lot of areas. Okay. Xenoblade uh, is on the Wii, but has awesome design. So the the game was developed by AQ Inter. No, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, AQ Interactive, which could be any number of teams because AQ Interactive pretty much just absorbed or I, I, they they absorbed uh, Cavia and and uh, uh, Feel Plus and all those companies back into themselves a while back. So. I really like what Derek just said about Xenoblade, though, because I think a game that is on the Wii doesn't necessarily mean that it, it needs to, you know, shave off different things and, and not put its best foot forward. Even though in Xenoblade you could see that they were working around the technical limitations, like I said in my review, you look up at the top of the Bionis, you look up at its head, and it's not actually the head of the Bionis. That isn't actually the area that you're going to go through. They're using technical trickery to get around that, but it works at creating a cohesive world. I mean, there's, I mean even in even in you know present day uh, present day generation titles, 
you're obviously not going to be looking at the whole video game world all the time. There's trickery going on, but if you do it properly, then you can create a cohesive world. Agreed. Completely. So, well, Derek hates the last story. Send all of your hate mail to Derek at RPGfan.com. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, you, you, you might get more hate mail than I do. Um, I, have I, feel, never gotten, I feel bad. I still haven't gotten any hate mail, and I feel like, as an audience, if, if you guys are listening, I like hate mail. I, I like it. It validates me. I would like some. We also like ratings on iTunes. I think we're up to 33 now. Do you think maybe we I like how Rob's like, don't you like... guys should hate us. Oh, rate us on iTunes. Well, they don't have to like us on iTunes, although, you know, we do have an awesome rating on iTunes that I'd like to continue. Yes. Hint, hint. So in conclusion, Last Story is not the worst game ever, and I'm hovering on it here a lot more than I might in... Well, if I, if I was reviewing it, I would say the same thing, but if I was talking to you and trying to explain things about the game, I, I might be a little bit nicer, but I really... I mean, I, I have these grievances that I have to air because I feel like this game could have been so much better. And as I said, that may be part of the whole high expectations based on the name behind the game. But I really wanted to like this game. I really did. And it let me down in so many areas. And I just, it's a bummer. I hate it when games end up not being good because I always want them to be good. I give things the benefit of the doubt, you know? Where do we stand? Um, I don't think we've ever talked about the last story. I know I know Steven just kind of mentioned it at the start. Um, I never played it, obviously. I don't have a 360. Is the last story worth my time? It seems like there was hey, Lost wait, Odyssey. The last story Lost Odyssey? What was I saying? I was saying the last... Oh, my God, I'm that tired. Okay, um, no, Lost Odyssey. I Lost could, Odyssey is awesome. I could speak volumes. Lost Odyssey is the only reason I still own an Xbox. Um, it's not revolutionary. It's, it's the game we all thought we were going to get if the PS1 and generation had continued and just went HD. Um, the combat is fun. It's turn-based. There's tons of side quests that aren't just monster arenas. Um, and in my opinion, the thing I like best about the game is your character has... Yeah, your character's been alive for a thousand... You know, I think it's like 2,000 years, and he's immortal. And throughout the game, he's an amnesiac. You'll experience events that jog his memory... And the memory is brought to you in the form of a short story. And A, the short stories are written by a pretty notable Japanese novelist. And then they're translated by Jay Rubin, who is a noted... He's translated all of Haruki Murakami's novels in English. And he, he's, you know, very noted in that field. And they're fantastic stories. And they give you such insight into the characters that even if the main plot of the game is, oh, stop the evil bad guy, you have such a, a broad understanding of your characters because they've lived for so long and you've read these stories that... It, to me, it, I don't think there'll ever be another game like it because I don't think anyone else other than a sequel to Lost Odyssey will ever say, hey, let's throw short stories in to give our thousand-year-old characters some background. So where do we stand on Blue Dragon, the other Mistwalker game that came out with the 360? Um, I good. really thought it was pretty lacking, but I really don't like Dragon Quest, and that's kind of what it's like. Yeah, it, it's pretty much just like, it's oh, like a hey, bad Dragon Quest. Yeah, it's, it's what would Dragon Quest be if it were just kind of really generic even more than normal is it wrong that i really want to replay dragon quest 8 now no no i, I love game that game incredible uh, blue dragon does have the most ridiculous boss battle theme of all time yeah it does i was going to mention that like Isn't ian it? Gillen just screams like his he just screams his heart out but the song still sucks just weird screaming metal for some reason um, wow! still I'm, not as good as crazy chocobo <laughs> uh, 
I'm really hopeful that uh, Nino Kuni can like recapture that level five big open world Dragon Quest Eight love that I had. I, I wanted Rogue, I wanted Rogue Galaxy to be that game, and then I saw Rogue Galaxy and I was like, oh, it's just a corridor hack and slash. Okay, that's a shame. Like I just loved cresting the field in Dragon Quest Eight. That just really made me happy. Oh well. <laughs> talking about my origin story i guess with video games for the longest time i just observed my family playing games i was really young and i didn't think i really had the skill to play games for whatever reason and you know occasionally i tried to play the legend of zelda on nes or something but obviously that was too difficult for me and you know i'd play these other nes or genesis games but mostly i just watched my brother or sometimes my dad play games and it went on for a long time, and he played. My brother played through FF7, FF8, and finally it came to FF9. And one day I just was sitting there watching him play it, and I just thought to myself, "Why the hell am I not playing this for myself?" So I just started playing FF9. It was my first, the first game that I played, my really to the to completion, um, first RPG and game. And after that. I just went nuts. I think I really started with PC games after that, after FF9. I, I think Baldur's Gate 2, Shadows of Om, was my one of my first games. And I think it was just bought as a gift. Uh, and my parents didn't know anything about video games, but they chose well. And I played through the Fallouts. Um, and that was, that was my beginning. Kyle? I want to hug you. So I have been playing a game with Rob and Steven. And it has and been... not me. Yes, and not Derek, because Derek says, I want to play Final Fantasy XI. <laughs> wait, 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 no, we're not going to talk about that game just yet. We were going to talk about Darksiders for two seconds. Oh, um, yeah, Darksiders is just kind of generic and... It really has. Yeah, I really don't see the big deal on this game. <laughs> like, I, I really like Darksiders 2 is getting like these, you know, nines out of tens. And people are saying that it's absolutely incredible. Did they play it for more than two hours? Like it. it first off, I'm playing the PC version and thankfully the game is patched because when that game came out, it was one of the like buggiest glitchiest games that i've started playing the vertical sync didn't work so there was screen tearing everywhere my graphics card hit 91 degrees and yeah i'd be like so out of that game <laughs> yeah so i i had to go in and and put a frame rate limiter on my graphics card to make the game run properly um it, it doesn't tell you that you press in the left analog stick in order to manipulate the map it says that you have to press the uh, a button yeah so it's kind of wrong in some of the things that it tells you. Uh, it, so it's a mess of a port. I can live with that, okay? It happens sometimes. And yes, they did a really good job of patching it, and it's now up to snuff, so you can't really con you can't complain about the technical issues so much. See, I can't complain about the port at all because I've been playing it on Xbox. Yes, you, you chose the correct way to play the game, apparently. I was wrong. And it's, 
it makes a really strong first impression because after playing Darksiders 1, you start playing Darksiders 2, and death is much more mobile than um, than war in the first game. He controls almost exactly like the Prince of Persia when he's on the walls and, you know, climbing around, and he's clambering, and it, it works really well. He, he's great at traversing the environment. The combat system's great until you realize that you're just going to be pressing square, 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 square. Or when you try to fight more than one enemy, because the camera is probably one of the worst cameras I've seen in a 3D action game. It spins around. It gets confused. It doesn't pan correctly. Um, they do this really cool thing where in order to jump away from a wall, you have to hold in the left trigger, which is a really cool idea because it keeps you from like having to swing around the camera and you get into that awkward, do I press away from the wall in order to jump? It's a really good idea. But most of the time, you can't pan the camera around to begin with to make sure that you're going to the next platform. So it's completely obtuse and stupid. All of that I can file away. It's just the game is boring. Like, I, I haven't gotten particularly far, but I, I run into this issue where it's like, well, I, I really am just kind of doing the same stuff over and over again. Yeah, uh, I cleared the first hub world of the game, and there, there were some high points here and there. There were some some good traversal points. I, I kind of like at the one at one point you're in like this lava area and you have to like jump onto a moving platform and then wall run around it. There, there's some cool stuff like that, but John hit the nail on the head. You're just doing the same thing over and over again. This game to me is very much the, the same problem with the uh, last Castlevania game where it's like these developers were so intent on making a 20 hour product that they didn't have any sense of pacing or scale. I mean, you have these big open world, like shadow of the Colossus like fields and nothing to do in them. And you could make the argument that, oh, that's the same thing in Shadow of the Colossus, but that was the point of Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus was all about scale and all about making you feel small and insignificant in this world while you take out these mighty enemies. They'll sprinkle one or two chests in these environments in Darksiders 2, and there's just a lot of nothing. There's like one chest in this giant environment that you can ride around on a horse and some enemies to kill and they serve no purpose it's like it's bizarre and this is apparently a 20 30 hour long game through the first hub world i'm done i have no desire to keep playing this i'm so bored it's a, a step back from darksiders one and i'm kind of I'm not calling people out for reviewing the game. If people like the game, that's totally fine. But I'm I'm kind of shocked that very few reviewers are commenting on just how boring the title is. And, and it is very much a fluff title. If people are going to sit here and complain about Skyward Sword having a lot of fluff and having a lot of backtracking and that breaking the game, you kind of have to say the same thing about Darksiders 2. Is it kind of like Amalur, where like Amalur had a great combat system and a great art aesthetic, but every quest was basically just an MMO. I'll go here and get this guy and then kill something quest. It, it's not so much like that. First off, I think Amalur's combat system is way better. Uh, I, I think for all of them talk, death moves very, very well in Darksiders too. I think he's a very responsive character, but the combat is just square, 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 triangle, square, 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 square. It, it's button mashy. It doesn't work very well. The camera's a mess. 
but more the the side quests and you only pick up three or four side quests in the um in the starting hub world and it's like go here and kill this one enemy and the enemy is a boss that is because they put the RPG mechanics into the game and you get stronger and level up the boss is usually since you have no realm of when you can get there the boss ends up either being way too powerful or way too weak for your character. So then you just kill them and get some experience points and that's it. It doesn't really flesh out the world or anything. It's just a busy side quest and there's not even a lot of them. They also do this really obnoxious thing where they're like, Oh, you, you need to go do this side quest. And then you travel to the area and realize that you haven't picked up the Zelda item in order to open up that side quest area. So you just wasted your time getting to an area that you can't even traverse and so now you, like, go back. And so it, it doesn't tell you when you can actually do a side quest. You just have to, like, remember that you can go back to this area. And maybe now you have the item that's the key to success. There's just a lot of that stuff. Like, for the for the step forward with, like, the, the improvements to the traversal mechanics and the combat system is better by nature of it being far more responsive. They take two steps back with, like, obnoxious UI stupid enemies and like atrocious camera angles that you're just like, what's the point? Yeah. I, I, I haven't played enough to where I can say, you know, as much as Rob can, but I, I'm not impressed thus far, which is kind of unfortunate because I'd heard such great things about the game. Yeah. Uh, um, See, I, I still want to play it. Not that I don't, trust you guys' opinion on there because i mean i rob you had a lot of problems with darksiders one that really didn't bother me any um see i dug the first darksiders yeah like i i really liked that game and uh, you know the second one to me looked more it looked more hack and slashy especially when i played it at e3 i got a vibe of okay we've dumped some of the puzzles and now it's just like run around and kill stuff um that's sort of the vibe i got and i still want to pick it up but it, it, that there's no real impetus to go forward it's kind of reminds me almost and you know maybe i'll get hung for saying this but you know skyrim there's no motivation to do anything it's just like yeah all right here's a world with some quests in it and you can kill stuff and get stronger but yeah it's it's entirely because it's for the sake of killing stuff and getting stronger it's not for any real purpose unless you consider what bethesda does as writing which i don't but well, I know Steven pretty well as a gamer, and I think Steven's Steven, when you play this game, you're going to think I'm nuts in like the first hour. You're going to think I'm absolutely insane. Like I was blown away by Darksiders 2. I was like, oh, my God, like the, uh, uh, it's so responsive and like death feels such he's such a cool character to control. And then you get out into these open environments and the game doesn't make you wait for four hours to get the horse like they give you the horse right away. And you're like, oh, my God, this is a big open world. Rob's nuts. And then you realize that they just didn't fill that world with anything interesting to do. It's kind of like um, I started playing L.A. Noir and I agree with you 100 percent. I think the game is fantastic, but. L.A. Noir has an open world, and I'm not entirely sure why, because there's nothing in it. Yeah, it's like the open world serves the only purpose of creating a, like... It's a checkbox. It's, yeah, yeah, we have an open world in our game. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, I think L.A. Noir is a train wreck in terms of its gameplay and story, but, like, I respect it for trying to do something new, but, like, all of the open world stuff, I'm like, what is the point? Why are you making me drive all the way to the crime scene when you could have just teleported me there and just made a really good 
short, concise, Phoenix Wright-like game, like a great point-and-click adventure game, I would have been fine. And Darksiders 2 has a similar thing. There's also the nature of, like, when you get into these dungeons in Darksiders 2, it's really a lot of copy and paste. Like, every room looks exactly the same. You go into a room, there's no sense of, like, going back to other rooms to open up areas. It's always, yeah, you have one puzzle in the room and you got to figure it out. The game does a really bad job of giving you direction, uh... The couple of times that they do pull the camera back and make it more like a God of War directed style camera, you realize that's what they should have done in the first place, because then you really know where you're supposed to go and you feel like you're on an ad- adventure game and you're not just spinning the camera around looking for the one foothold in the room. It's really blah. It's it's just it's blah. But I will say this. Jesper Kids soundtrack is freaking awesome. Yeah, I've already listened to the soundtrack for that game. It's pretty sick yeah jesper kid literally he's kind of like ian mcshane how like i want ian mcshane to be in every movie ever made from now until eternity i'm watching deadwood so i love al swearingen it's kind of like i want jesper kid to at least supply one track to every video game because he's so like everything that he does sounds different i think that's what makes him so special like you listen to some of his tunes and blood money and hitman blood money it sounds completely different from like the celtic almost you know, uh, like upper Norwegian Viking stuff that he does in Darksiders. Like it's or, really beautiful music. His Assassin's Creed stuff is fantastic oh, too. We're ta- uh, and not that I wouldn't want to keep going on about music. He's also doing the new Hitman. But uh, anyway. Oh, is he? Oh, I didn't realize that. I, I, um, I, he, I, he's like the Hitman composer. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where he got his start was with Hitman. Like I mean, I think he'd been around before that, but I think that's where he got like, oh, just for kid. Yeah, that guy's awesome. Okay, I wasn't sure if he was doing the new Hitman, so I'm not sure on that. But uh, yeah, he, his music is awesome, but there's just – when you play Darksiders 2, it just really feels – I hate to say this because I really like Vigil, and I think they really have some good ideas. To me, to me, the kind of like broken nature of the game when it came out, it kind of also speaks to our other darling in the RPG circles, Obsidian. Obsidian. Which is like this this group of developers that has really awesome ideas. It just seems like they're really hamstrung by development issues and production issues. I mean, for God's sake, this is what THQ really hopes they can hang their hat on and create a product to keep them afloat. So I respect them for that sense, but it seems like they, they made a very misguided game. It's like they said, we want to make this big open world game, but they just didn't realize that if you do that, you need to give me a reason to explore. It's kind of like the Grand Theft Auto 4 problem. Yeah, you have, you created this big open world, but what do I do in it? Uh, you go you and drive you, cars. You, you go on dates and you're like, hey, would you like to go bowling? Yeah, and, and then you play a game like I, I know you guys don't like Red Dead, but Red Dead did a much better job of giving you that sense of place and yeah, made you feel like that open world meant something. You can't. Go I agree. Red, Red Dead did a much better job with that. You can't Grand go bowling. Grand Theft Auto, you pretty Dead. much just drove crappy cars. That's true. You can't go bowling in Red Dead. You can play horseshoes. That's not bowling. That's better than bowling. Okay, so I... Nothing is better than bowling. I, I don't know if I'm going to play any more Darksiders, but I got I got to say, like, I sat down and played it for, like, a couple of days, and I'm I'm just done. Like, I, I have no desire to go back. I got to the second hub world, and I just rolled my eyes. It was like, okay. Out of his uh, Guild Wars 2. Yeah. Yes, which I'm playing right now. Oh, are you? Well, yes. why am I not playing with you? So, you know, yeah, it's an MMO. That's a statement. <laughs> okay, somebody talk. John, make your statement. It, it's, you know what, I, I 
would like to say I respect what Guild Wars 2 does, but really it's just like every other MMO I've ever played. It's nice, it's pretty, it's got no subscription fee, but it's it's not something that that is revolutionary in any way, shape, or form. For me, I, 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 I agree with that to an extent. Um, there's enough in Guild Wars 2 for me. I, I definitely get that sense of not let down, but... It, you know the 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 funk like basically, you play a game like WoW, like Lotro, like basically an MMO that came out after WoW. It's I need to run into this town and find all the exclamation points, and then I need to run around in the forest next to the town and kill everything, and pick up all the stupid random crap so I can go back to the town and get rewards and level up so I can go to the cave next to the town and do an instance with five people and maybe find loot and blah 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 blah. Um, Guild Wars, I don't feel like there's somewhere I have to be. It's kind of just like, oh, I'm going to go over here and look at this thing. And the it feels very organic when you're exploring and doing quests. But a concern I started to have very early in the game, um, which may attribute another reason why I haven't been playing it as much, is that it feels really repetitive. Like every area, it's like, all right, here I am. I'm going to go find the heart. And the quest basically... It's so easy to just explore and do dynamic events that it doesn't really matter. Like, it's like, all right, here's a dynamic event where I have to find apples, pick up the item on the ground, and kill stuff. And then after a while, it, it, for me, it kind of became clear that it was like every quest is going to involve either go here and kill lots of these guys, escort a guy, fight a boss, or hit a hot spot in the environment and fight monsters in some guy's backyard. And compounding that, for me at least, is... The skill system, uh, which I'm not gonna lie, I'm di I'm 100% disappointed by it. Um, I'm not super far. I'm level, you know, like 13 or 14, but I'm really disappointed because I have every single combat skill I'm gonna have for the entire game, except for the ones you can buy, which they're not regular use skills. They're specialty skills. And compared to Guild Wars One, where you know a big part of the game was coming up with this fantastic set of commands for you to use for certain situations, where there were just hundreds of skills. Guild Wars 2, it's like, yeah, you have four different weapons and each one has five skills, and that's it. Uh, For the entire 80 levels. I, I definitely see where your complaints are coming from, guys, and I, I kind of want to address them uh, as we go. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm further than you guys. Like, I, I'm, I hit, like, level 32 this afternoon, and I definitely share a lot of your concerns, but just to give my own thoughts on it a little bit, one... Uh, my knowledge of MMOs is pretty limited. Like, I played WoW for a little bit. I played a little bit of Old Republic. I played a little bit of The Secret World. This game is really speaking to me because instead of one of those games where I feel like Steven was saying, where I'm just going around finding the quest givers, I feel like I'm being put in an environment and being told, okay, there's fun out there. Go have it. Go find a Vista point to gain some experience. Go locate some uh, different unique areas. Do a couple skill, quick skill events. Do the hearts, which are the quest givers, and help out the various people around. Oh, we got a dynamic event going on here. It almost feels like an ADD game. And it's like, okay, you're going to go do all these things, and you're going to stay really engaged. And I really like that. It feels much more dynamic. It goes a long way toward creating an environment. However... I have now cleared four or five of the areas in the game. Like I've done everything that there is to do in them. And I go into a new area and it's okay. I have now these Vista points, these skill challenges, these hearts and these dynamic events to do again. So there is a little part of me that's starting to get a little nervous from the perspective of, well, I'm doing the same thing over and over again, which John said, well, that's an MMO. 
And it, in all honesty, that's why I think I've gotten kind of bored of it quickly, which sucks because I was really looking forward to it. But A, it doesn't really feel like Guild Wars 1, which isn't necessarily criticism, but it, it, um, you know, it's just, it's boiling down to the same, the same damn thing. It's just, okay, I'm going to run around and do events and level up and then go do, so that way I can do, go do more events that are basically the same in the next area. And it, it just has that Skyrim feel of just, there's no reason to be doing anything. It's just like, whatever, like the writing is whatever. The plot missions are just quests. And I just, it, it really just feels like, like, it's just like, yeah, I'm doing this. But uh, yeah, I guess it's yeah. cool. Now, I, there are some things that I want to to applaud Guild Wars 2 for. Uh, the primary thing being that uh, you get experience from everything. Um, you get experience from crafting. You get experience from, uh, you know, the the doing the the way that you get experience from quests is interesting but i think that it's a little bit unbalanced i feel like you don't get enough experience from just killing things which you know you don't want to have a game that's a grind but i think that you do want to have to give your players the ability to play the way that they want i think that it doesn't allow people to grind at all i definitely agree with you you get practically no experience points for just randomly killing monsters and i like that because i i didn't like that in wow when i when i played wow for a few minutes and i was just going around killing bullers over and over again i didn't like that so this game forces you to do the quests it forces you to do the hearts and the dynamic events and search out environments i really really like that and i think that's what's pushing me forward also the fact that you get like huge chunks of experience instead of getting like small chunks now as the game as you get up into like the, the level 30 areas yeah you get like a thousand experience but that doesn't fill up your bar quite as much as maybe you want but they're still doing a really good job of keeping me engaged there I i'm definitely enjoying the game quite a bit i mean i had a blast with you guys when we played it i think we were having a really good time we were playing the game the way it's meant to be played we were going around doing these dynamic events you know calling out things as we saw them as as we wanted to explore i think that this really is a game that you need to play with your friends because going out and and doing these things by myself is starting to get boring and now I'm starting to reach a point where it's like, I really want to play this game when John or Steven's on, because then it becomes that much more fun because we, we end up getting each other into trouble and we end up finding new things to do. I think if you try to play this like a single player game, it can be relaxing, but maybe not as engaging as they think it is. I agree. Like, that's the thing is they, they put so much effort into making the cooperative, you know, the aspect of, oh, you don't have, you can, you know, there's no archetype for your party. You can be whatever class, whatever assemblage you want. But because of that, it's taken away any structure the game has. It's just like all I have to do to pat progress in the game is wander around where the hearts are, where a crap load of people are, and just kill stuff. And eventually the event will finish and I'll get experience. And in a way, it's like, okay, I finished this event. The centaurs are gone. Now I have a different set of quests. But I personally don't feel like I have any impact on anything because it's just like, well, like 50 million other people doing this quest. If I show up and kill three guys, I get a gold. I got experience. And, you know, playing by yourself, even though you're cooperating with other people, it's very anonymous. And it's, it's like cooperating with total strangers. And, you know, 99% of the time, the only time you ever interact with somebody is if they go down, you revive them and they do slash bow or they thank you. Whereas with you guys, it was like, OK, we're actually, you know, staying as a group and killing stuff. 
I yeah. would agree with you. Go ahead, John. No, no, no. I, it's, I, I think it does a lot of things right, and I, then I think it does a lot of things not so right. I definitely like the game, uh, and I'm having a really good time with it. I, I like the focus on exploration aspects more than the typical MMO grind. I, I definitely agree with Steven, though. Because of the nature of the dynamic events and the way that everybody needs to run toward them and do them, it creates an, an MMO atmosphere of, like, we're all together, but it's an anonymous atmosphere. It's not. I'm not interacting with these people i'm not talking to them about strategy we're just it's like playing with bots yeah it's like we're beating the crap out of the centaurs so and to the game's uh detriment it was kind of a bear to find friends on the game like it, it's still not very responsive it's kind of hard to party up sometimes it would say that we were we were all in the main world we weren't in the overflow that they set aside for when the servers got too many people on it and we were like well we can't see each other and then one of us would have to restart and come back in and they they kind of do that a lot and that that was kind of a bummer and so you know first week blues and they're getting their act together and hopefully it'll get better I feel like we're being overly down on the game. I still really, really like it, but I definitely share your concerns. And I'm wondering, because we haven't done the PvP, which is one of the main attractions of the original Guild Wars, are we missing a huge portion of the game? And I think we are. I, so, I agree, and I still want to try that, because I definitely feel like, even now, I'm only level 14, and I have, honestly, almost no interest in playing. It's like, because I, I, I can tell right from now, and I mean, I could be wrong, and they, the game could drastically become different, but... In all honesty, it's an MMO at this point. Everything is going to be the same up to the next level. They're just going to make the monsters bigger and the HP bars longer. Yeah, there is you. a little bit of that. So I, one thing I find interesting is, is you were talking about kind of the lack of of uh, uh, strategy. I'm doing one of these these group event boss fights, and literally, I'm just mashing button. I'm doing nothing else that's different. There's just a group of like 25 people here, and I'm assuming they're all mashing button too. And it's it's just press button, press button, press button. And it's not like we're doing anything special. Ah, man, I, I really wasn't expecting us to be so negative on this game, but uh, you know, it, it's I, well, I I'm not a huge fan of it, but like I. I, I it, it's it's odd. It's very odd. I'm so, finding it much more engaging than the other MMOs that I've played, though. So I'm trying to figure out why that is. Well, I think I, it's just the I, very I think, nature of the exploration. Yeah, I think that based on the fact that, Rob, you like exploration in your games, and this is kind of a an MMO that's based around exploration. For me, I, I enjoyed uh, The Old Republic much, much more than I've enjoyed this. And see the old Republic to me because everything just looked copy and paste and I didn't I didn't get a sense of world like I think we can all agree that the art direction in Guild Wars 2 is freaking awesome. It's amazing. It's a gorgeous place to be in. You feel like you're really in a different area. Like if you go from the Silvari starting zone to the Asura, it looks completely different. They do a really good job of making you feel like you have a sense of place. And when I played Old Republic, I just felt like I was in another barren corridor. And it just it didn't do anything for me. And then the mobs were just like, okay, well, I'm just going to go up and hit one, 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 one. To, to play into the skill stuff a little bit, 
I agree with Steven. I think that the skill system could become a serious problem. I feel like when I hit like level 40 or 50, I'm really going to start getting tired of it. But I do feel much more engaged. Like my character uses a flamethrower. And I have to, like, plan out, okay, I'm cooking the guy, I'm cooking the guy, okay, now I'm going to blast him back, hit him with a fireball, and now I'm going to blind him. But then I do that a lot. But I do feel like the combat's much more responsive than the other MMOs that I've played, especially something like Secret World. See, all Secret World's combat blows, but um, I, I, I don't feel like that's so different than, like, the Old Republic because you do kind of have to strategize. Now, certainly that's not the case when you're level three, four, five. You know, and that never will be the case when you're level three, four, five in an MMO. But you know, I my my level thirty-seven or thirty-eight or whatever I was when I when I last played uh, operative. Hell yeah, I had a lot of strategy that I had to to use. It's almost like the strategy comes in maybe a little too early in Guild Wars because you open up all your skills, like Stephen was saying, very very quickly. The, th- the thing is, though, I don't really feel like there's any strategy. Like, as an elementalist, I don't care what element I'm using. It's just whichever skill looks cool. And then even then, most of my fights boil down to me using my lightning whip and circling around a guy, rolling away when he attacks, and then, you know, just using whatever other attack skills I have. Like, it's so easy to put conditions on enemies, and they'll stack up to such extraordinary numbers. Like, you know, you could weaken a guy 20 times and he'll have it stacked 20. And it makes my individual contribution feel meaningless to the point where I'm basically just running around whacking him. And I tried, you know, a thief and I felt the exact same way. It's just slash, 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 slash. And I made a guardian and it was like, okay, slash, 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 slash. And then I have all these protective moves, but it feels pointless because there's so many people involved and there's no penalty for dying, you know, other than, oh, you got revived. Your health is a little bit lower. Yeah. Um, it just it feels like there's no consequence to anything. It's just I'm just there sliding down this long slide of content. Hmm. Were you playing uh, have you guys mostly been playing single player or multiplayer? Like have you guys mostly been playing with other people? Like in I I I do events with others as as much as I can, but in regards to like us, like a party, like the way that you can party up in the game and you're all together. No, no, no. I've been I've been playing solo i think that might be where we're screwing up a little bit because i i really think that this is one of those games like were we not having a hell of a lot of fun the other night when we were playing this game all together we were but we were also you know talking crap and and it any game can be fun when you're playing with your friend sure yeah in all in all honesty that's like for me, I don't feel like I was having fun because I was playing Guild Wars. I was having fun because we were all hanging out. Yeah, I mean, I, I was having fun. I, I think this really taps in, like like John was saying, I think this is tapping into my, like, exploring and filling out a checklist and feeling like I'm doing something. Like, I, I it's, it's a very nice game for feeling progress because when you check the map and you see, like, oh, okay, I only have two more hearts to do in this area and then a couple more skill challenges and then I can area i think it's really good in that respect i saw one person in a chat window said like this is the call of duty of mmos and i laughed at that and now that i'm looking at it again i'm like i kind of see what they're going for it's like instant gratification but is there more to go along with that and i don't know if there is but again i i'm sounding down on the game right now but this game i've played it more than any other mmo that i've ever played and I, I found it engaging for a reason. I think I think for me, I just I get the same and it sucks because, again, I was really excited for this game because I thought it was going to be so different. It's just 
I get the exact same feeling I get when I play every other MMO. Like the only game MMO I've ever played to max level is Lord of the Rings Online, and that's because I love the lore. I love that that game did have a focus. Like they rewarded you for exploring. It was still pretty standard, but you know, right time, right place. And every other MMO I've played since then just feels like I'm doing the same thing. And well, and I you know, know you I... can you, you can put whatever trappings of story you want around it. You can add whatever you know bells and whistles. But the fact is, they're all just Here's a hot bar. Here's you running circles around enemies with a bunch of people to fight monsters you have no connection to and to do stuff well, that you totally don't care about. And I don't think that's ever going to change ever. I truly going to think I think that this is the first MMO that's appealed to Rob. So it feels like something new because it is something new to him. But for the, for, for the two of us, we, we've had engaging MMOs that we've played before. And so it's like, well, you know, I've played a lot of WoW. You've played a lot of Lord of the Rings Online, and it, it's just more of the same to us. Do you guys feel that the dynamic events do anything? Because that was their big that, claim that's to not, fame on this that's game. That's not anything new, though. That's been in Rift. That's been in uh, uh, War. Everything. Yeah. Like, it's not new anymore. Well... I mean, maybe, maybe there's just something about the way in which the world's been crafted that's speaking to me. I mean, I, I I definitely see where you guys are coming from, and I have the exact same concerns. I even end my my first journal entry on the game because I'm I'm gonna do a couple entries because I think it, it it is such a large game. You don't want to just review it after a couple hours, and you know, yeah, I I am seeing those concerns, and I'm a little nervous about like where's this game gonna take me. I'm I'm kind of very scared to dip my toe into the PvP after I saw at Arena Net just how crazy it was i'll do pvp with you that's well, what i need PvP, to do pvp is great fun in mmos it, it truly is when like i i did a lot of raiding in in vanilla wow and then pretty much the only fun i had in the game after that was going and doing pvp yeah i remember my buddy uh yancey when we were um when we were at stony brook together i saw him playing a lot of wow pvp and that's all he did. It's like he hit the level cap, and that's all he did. And so maybe, maybe that's an aspect to it. But I, I think we need to play again, and because I, I've found that just playing Guild Wars two single player, oh, though, isn't uh, satisfying. You know what? We've been, we've thought. been really, really negative up to this point. But I do want to say the level scaling works amazingly well. Oh my god! Yeah, yes, like, it does. It didn't matter what level we were when we started playing together. We were all gaining good experience. That That is a, a point of the game that is fantastic. Like, it, you know, it doesn't matter what level you are. You can go to any area with your friend if he's lower level than you, I, and you will get good experience, he will get good experience, and you will have fun. Yes, I, I that that's something that I wish, I wish that every MMO or even every RPG would do. You know, you play Borderlands and everyone kind of needs to be the same level, or you play Diablo and everyone kind of needs to be the same level. But Guild Wars 2 does a fantastic job of saying, okay, we don't care what level of experience everyone's at. You guys all get to go have fun. Yeah, yeah. like that, that was like, for me, I was like, oh, like I, you know, it's ingrained in me as a player of MMOs where I said, oh, no, Rob, you're five levels ahead of me. We can't party up. Or when Zach got on, Zach's in Japan. And he, uh, you know, Zach was level two. And I was like, oh, I can't play with Zach. And I was like, well, I'll run over to his area. And then all of a sudden we were actually having fun. Like 
And I was like, oh, okay, that's the strength of the game is that the game doesn't punish you for doing anything. And it, it's, the, it's the greatest strength and greatest weakness. It doesn't punish you for doing anything, but it also doesn't really reward you for doing anything either. It's like, right, that, that was going to be my thing is that I really agree that the level scaling is great and it keeps us all engaged and makes it so we can all play together. At the same time, when I go back to a level five zone as a level 30 character, it puts me back to level five and I'm getting beaten up by pretty basic enemies and they can still prove challenging for me because they even though I have some of the advancements of leveling and I can kill them easier, I'm not all of a sudden going back and I am a god and I can steamroll them. You know, I think the best description that I have for Guild Wars 2, Guild Wars 2 is really convenient. Everything yes. is okay. Okay. It's very easy to play. Like you don't have to think about it at all. And oh, though it, that that's not the case if you're a new player to MMOs. And that's one thing that it does poorly is that if you have never played an MMO before, it doesn't give you any tips of like, oh, here's what you need to do. It pretty much assumes that you've played some MMO before. Yeah, that was awesome when you guys had to explain crafting to me because I was like, what am I? doing like it, it definitely like it, you get the sense that they made their game going yeah everyone who hates mmos is going to play our game and like it and be refreshed and i and I, again i really do like it but i, I think you guys might have hit on something there this this is the first mmo that's speaking to me and i i do find the combat to be responsive and fun it's funny i didn't like the water combat at first i totally agreed with john i hated it and now i'm starting to like it uh, i still hate it uh, it, it, the water combat makes a horrible I, first impression. I have all of the skills now in water combat. I still hate it. Okay, that that's fair. Uh, I, I think they might want to analyze the skill system because I, I think they've kind of reached a middle ground between Diablo 3's, you open something up at every level, but eventually you get the full toolkit, and the Diablo 2, well, you have these trait points that you can use to get like more condition damage to make your character more specialized, but it's a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. It doesn't have the, oh my god, I just hit level 60 and I got all these skills in Diablo 3. And it, oh. In fact... Sorry to interrupt. I actually think it's worse than in Diablo 3 or in other MMOs because other MMOs, like, wow, Lotro, you're getting new skills until max level. You are not getting new skills until max level in, in Guild Wars, nope. and that's 80 levels. Guild Wars does an amazingly poor job of explaining the trait system, too. Like, I, oh, didn't, yeah. I didn't realize until, like, level 13 that I had to go and buy a book to give myself skill points or trait points, rather. You can use skill points. They have a very, very awesome wiki that I was using during the beta weekends. And so I, I had a lot of firsthand knowledge when I could start the game up. And so if you're having trouble with Guild Wars 2, go to the Guild Wars 2 wiki. It's actually run by ArenaNet. They do a really, really good job of explaining all this stuff. It's not an excuse for not explaining it in the game, but I almost feel like if they explained every little bit in the game, it would have been the exact opposite where when I got to playing Old Republic and I was like, stop showing help menus. I can't process all this. Yeah, I would rather have all the help menus than than not knowing anything. Like, I, I would have liked to know what trait books were. I really would have, because that's something that's relatively unique. Most MMOs, it's like you hit level 10 or whatever. It's like, oh, you can start using skill points now. But they don't really explain skill or trait points. And they yeah. don't. Like, I, I, unless it was somewhere hidden that I didn't see it, but I don't remember there being an explanation of it. No, 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 they don't explain it. And I, I'll, I'll agree with you on that, but I, I, it's like... 
there's no middle ground. You have the Guild Wars 2, just go out and make your own fun and learn. And then you have the Old Republic, here's a bunch of help menus that I didn't find very helpful. Yeah. Though, I, I, I think my ultimate is, is not necessarily that the game is good or bad because it's got both good and bad. It's that it's really convenient. You love, you've got level scaling. You've got... You know, you've got crafting that gives you real legitimate experience and it gives you a lot of it. And, you know, you've got the ability to just teleport around for pennies. Yeah, there's no need. I remember saying to Steven, like, I wish there was a mount system so I could move faster. And then I got really comfortable just warping to places. Yeah, it's it's very like, you know, the best way to explain it is Guild Wars 2 feels like a game like it doesn't. For me, it doesn't feel immersive. It just feels like a game that is made to be very convenient and to make it really easy for me to play it. But as a result, it also doesn't have a whole lot that's hooking me. Because like everything is so low maintenance and so easy that it's like I don't have to think about anything when I'm playing it. And as a result, I don't. It's got a little bit of an autopilot sense to it. It's not the where you have to be completely engaged in the game at all times. But now there are games that I really like like that. To an extent, Diablo 2 and Diablo 3 are similar in that respect. Like I can play those games while listening to a podcast and kind of veg out and kind of find my center. Like it's almost therapeutic for me. I was explaining to some of my students today, like sometimes I need a therapeutic game. I need something that is like comfort food and I can put the game down and go, I accomplished something. And you know what? Guild Wars 2 gives you that sense because it's literally showing you you have all these things you can do and you can go do them and your own pace and have fun. I am liking this game more than Skyrim because I feel like I'm actually getting something out of it. Because I can look at my map at the end of a play session and go, okay, I got that, 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 I got that. Cool, I had fun. Whereas when I'm playing Skyrim, I'm like, okay, I just ran into another random dungeon and I can't even remember what I got from there. Like, See, I, did I get a did I get a Daedric Warhammer or did I get a bow? I can't even remember. In all honesty, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from the game is like, you know, I'm like, okay, I filled in that diamond and I got that heart and I found that vista that I skipped. It's like I feel like I'm just checking things off on a list, and that's what I don't like about MMOs. It's just, and I, I, it, I, it sucks. Again, I really, really wanted to love this game, but it just, I don't dislike it, but I'm feeling very apathetic toward it, and I just feel like instead of going to a town to check off all my quests, instead I'm just looking at my map. You know, I, I think that that kind of apathy is the worst thing for a game. I think that it's even worse than absolutely hating a game. Yeah, because it's, it's yeah. just forgettable. I mean, I, for me. Like, I'm not finding Guild Wars 2 forgettable, but again, I, I see like, where you guys are coming from. If if Guild Wars 2 were to cease existing today and I could never play it, I wouldn't be worried. Even if you erase the game from existence, I, I don't feel like I would have lost anything. And that's that's unfortunate because I think that there are a lot of things that the game does well. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the level scaling is really good. The combat is maybe not as of huge step forward as oh, I think they wanted us all to say, but it's, I still it's find M- it engaging. It's MMO combat. It really is. Just like everyone was like, oh, the combat in Terra is so amazing. No, it's really just more MMO combat, except you double tap a button to dodge. Just like I, I agree. The... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I, I was going to go ramble. Uh, 
I was gonna no, I was gonna agree with you. Like at first, I was really excited. I was like, oh, the rolling, everything feels so dynamic. Like you know, you get those breath attacks, and you have to actually aim them. But then I was like, I have this, but I'm still just every fight functions the same way, and there's just no commitment to it for me. Like it just feels so hands off and sleepy. Like never once in the game was I like, oh, this is exciting and awesome. I was like, all right, it's a big monster who I will fight the same as every other monster. Yeah, and, and the game does kind of fall apart. Like, when you start taking damage in this game and when the mob kind of focuses on you, you're done before you even realize what happened. Like, And, and then I really don't like the recovery mechanic because what's happened to me so many times, and this is especially heinous when I'm soloing, I think the, the recovery mechanic works when you're with a group because if you're soloing, you recover and you go right back down again because you still have a bunch of enemies around you and you recovered with 10% of your hit points and they just knock you down again. The it, Again, this is a game that I think we're you need to play with a group. You need to find a party. You need to play this game with a group because I think it's infinitely more fun. And yes, a lot of games are more fun with a partner. Resident Evil 5 being far excluded because it actually made it worse with a partner. It's better with a partner, Borderlands. Well, maybe, yes. Uh, I would agree with you. And, And I think that Guild Wars 2 is a game that you really want to play with a with a partner. You want to play it as a party. And it has Guild Wars in the title. If you try to solo this game... I still find it satisfying soloing it, but I have not had as much fun playing this game as when we were all playing together and just cresting a hill. And John was like, there's an event over here. And we were like, charge. We were like, all right, let's go over here and get this Vista. Like it, it, that and, was the cool moment. And it, I have to agree with Rob. It's a game that you want to jump on Ventrilo or Skype or whatever with your friends and just go and have fun. And it's, yeah. it's it's a great means to an end in that way, but it's not a game that I want to play. It's not like, oh, let's play Guild Wars 2. I'd just be as happy to say, oh, let's play Borderlands, or oh, let's play Syndicate. Yeah, yeah. So, so. I, 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 you know, I, I still like it quite a bit. I'm going to keep playing it. I'm going to see what I think of it at the end of the, the review process. I mean, I'm, I'm still percolating it all in my head. I think this is a really good conversation to have because it gives me a chance to kind of think about some things. I, I think I cleared out my fourth or fifth map today and I started to feel some of these misgivings, but I've still put like 20, 25 hours into this game. And I, th- I can't I think say that, you, that about it. I think that you've probably put more into it. Um, you type, I, I don't know if Guild Wars 2 has a command button. You type slash played. And it gives you the exact amount of time that you've played. Um, you think I'm up there? I, I think you're up there. Most MMOs are like my World of Warcraft character after six years was like 104 days played. So, yeah, but I, I can't say that about a lot of games. And this game is making me happy in a way that like, you know, I walked away from Darksiders 2 just rolling my eyes and being really like despondent with video games. And this game is keeping me happy, but it's like a, it's not that like ultimate high of my favorite game of this generation, but it's not a low. It's just it's like keeping me at like a solid 80 percent of fun, enjoyment, engagement without any peaks or valleys. It's just kind of there. Steven, uh, I'm on the podcast all the time, so you probably know of me if you listen. I first got into games when I was growing up. Uh, I lived in a house with my mother who was in college and my grandmother 
my six uncles and my aunt. And so it was obviously a pretty close space. And the room that my uncles all lived in uh, had a Sega Genesis and they would never, ever let me touch it. And I would watch them play Sonic 1 and I just got completely hooked. And to this day, I'm just a ridiculous Sonic fan. And, you know, for that point in time, it was basically the only game I ever played with Sonic until uh, at one point uh, my uncles had a bunk bed and one of the boards on the bottom of the bed flew off and smashed me in the face. And I had to go get stitches. And I was so upset that my parents decided they would buy me a video game. And that video game was the one with the coolest looking box art, at least I thought at the time, was Fantasy Star 4. And from that point, I think I must have played it for like two years straight because I was like four and it was just beyond me. And it was the coolest thing ever. And from that point, I was just really hooked on RPGs. I played Shining Force 2 on the Sega channel and just struggled with the really ridiculous random save deletion of the Sega channel. Um, so I, like, I played all the ones on Genesis, Beyond Oasis, Shining Force, Landstalker. And then when I finally got a PlayStation, the first game, the first I had never heard of Final Fantasy, but I made up this nonsense story to my parents about how I had played Final Fantasy 1 through 6, so they'd buy me 7. And they bought me Final Fantasy 7, this series that I'd never played, and it was just like, holy crap, this game is amazing. And from that point, I've just been completely hooked on RPGs, just playing tons of them, particularly JRPGs. But I kind of branched out, you know, as I got older into PC games, and that's when I started to love adventure games like King's Quest 6 and, you know, all those games. And then, of course, like, I hit, like, Baldur's Gate 2 and stuff. So I kind of played grew up playing a lot of JRPGs and a lot of the best Western RPGs. So, you know, to this day, I'm kind of just interested in all kinds of RPGs. You know, I, I, I tend, tend more towards the ones with like strong writing, especially now. Um, but, you know, I also love things like Diablo where there is no context, just click, 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 click. Also, I love Dark Souls. We've been kind of going around in circles for the past yeah, so. 10 minutes or so, so we should probably start heading up on news. Plus, Derek has been absolutely silent. He's probably looking at cat videos or something. It's either that or he's still drinking his margarita. Nah, I'm playing The World Ends With You. Oh, I wish... oh, 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 I'm tearing that a new one here in a second. But before we do that... Well, that, that will be one of our news stories. So we'll, Yes, we'll and, I'm, and I'm... Uh, Steven, uh, just give us the... You have literally 10 seconds to talk about Dark Souls PC. Go. I am reviewing Dark Souls for PC. If you like Dark Souls, you will like Dark Souls on PC. It is the best version of the game. It looks a little blurry for a PC game. However, it is a solid port that is not glitchy, and it is quite fun, and there is a mod out that makes it look really good. Okay, okay done. Good, good. we're okay. done. Okay. Uh, uh, so news, can I please, can I please, please, please attack Square Enix? Why do you want to rip I, on World Ends with you? Oh my god, this is Square Enix. Okay, this listen. Is Square, this is Square Enix, okay? All right, so Square the pricing Enix. model is terrible. The fact that they've split it into an iPhone and an iPad app is uh, bad. No, no, I, I There's think no two ways around that. I, I guarantee, I know where Rob's frustration is, and that's, that's with Square Enix is having a timer that was like, oh, man, we're going to have this announcement. Look, it's the world ends with yes. you. And then at the end, it was like, oh, yeah, it's an iOS port. I agree, but, but, but it's it's the combination of everything that you guys just said. It's the countdown timer, which gets everybody excited. It's like, wow, they're going to do something new and exciting. You guys know me. I've talked about it on the show. I didn't like the world ends with you, but I like what it stood for. I like the fact that it was different and you know trying to do something new. That's awesome. I didn't like the game, but I respect it. That's cool. It's it's like radiant historia. I I didn't get into it, but I'm happy it exists. 
That's awesome. I'm happy it exists, too, because I think that game is amazing. They start the countdown timer, and I'm like, oh, my God, Square Enix might be making another World Ends With You. Wow, I'm proud of you guys. And then it's the, oh, it's an iOS port. And I'm, like, rolling my eyes, and I'm like, okay, at least they're bringing it out. It's kind of a hard game to find on DS. I can kind of live with that. You can can just go to Amazon and buy it. Okay, but I I was kind of like, all right, that's stupid. And Square Enix, I'm mad at you, but at least you're releasing it. Then the pricing structure comes out, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you guys literally can't find your ass with both hands. Like, I'm sorry, they can't. Square Enix does charge pretty significant numbers for their iOS games. Actually, I'll tie that in. The Final Fantasy Dimensions just came out for iOS. And if you you buy all the episodes, it's like $29 or $31 or something like that. Right. You know, I, I was really against this pricing structure at first, but the more I looked at it, the fact is they are consistent and I don't necessarily like what it represents. But on the other hand, to say they're being lazy isn't necessarily true because they did, up, they, you know, they the world ends with you. They made the graphics much sharper, at least on the, you know, the, the iPod version. I heard the tablet version is pretty weak, but, you know, they did like a remix soundtrack. So they didn't totally phone it in. And then with FF Dimensions, that is basically a brand new game that you're getting that's not available anywhere else. And, you know, when I played it, I was shocked at how much I enjoyed it. I mean, it's, you know, it looks like it could have been, it could have been made an RPG maker, but it also has, you know, all of the good things of Final Fantasy 4, 5, and 6, like the job system. It has, you know, pretty sweet music. Derek has already reviewed the soundtrack, you know, ages ago. Hint, hint. Um, you know, but if you think about, you know, in terms of what you're getting... It's hard for us to wrap, you know, we say, oh, we don't want, you know, we want this form of gaming to be taken more legitimately or, you know, this or that. And, you know, we don't like all these cheap iOS games. But then on the other hand, it's like, oh, we don't want to pay full price. See, Whereas I, if they had released FF Dimensions as a full title on PSP, it would be 30 bucks. And and I think that there's a pretty significant difference in regards to the marketplaces. You know, it's it. I I respect them sticking to their guns and doing what they need to do for the pricing system because it, it takes guts to do that, but I don't know how well-received it is in the market. I know that I look at that for uh, a mobile game, and I go, okay, I am not really willing to pay that. You know, When I spend $5 on a Kyrosoft game, as much as I love Kyrosoft games, and literally when a new Kyrosoft game comes out, I go and I'm like, I'm going to play this for 10 hours straight. And I do. I'm still not willing to pay more than $5 for it. But I don't know. Like it's, I, If Final Fantasy Dimensions came out tomorrow for the Vita or the 3DS at the same price point, I would not bat an eye. The pricing structure really annoys me, but it's like once again, and maybe this means that they are going to make another World Ends With You title. This is kind of like them gauging interest and, you know, maybe we're going to see a game on 3DS or, you know, God help us on HD consoles. So maybe it's like a precursor to something really cool happening. But like it's just once again, uh, we we talked before um, the podcast, it's like I just can't get excited for a lot of the Japanese industry right now because I keep seeing the same things. It's like we've had this whole console generation for everybody to get their S together and start putting out these awesome games. Oh, whatever, and, Rob. Your favorite game of the generation is from Japan. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I like it because it is so radically different and because I got a sequel right away. But uh, 
like I was actually excited. I felt like Square Enix was listening and they were making a Twewe sequel. And instead we get an iOS port. It's like you almost won me over. You almost made me happy to be a gamer again. Yeah, I, you could make an argument that I'm just sitting here being a cynical dude on the internet, and I'm just like, oh, nothing will ever make me happy. But if they announced a Twewe sequel, I would have been like, good for you. Now, granted, it would probably look like crap, and it would just be like Fantasy Ret- Lightning Returns Final Fantasy, and we just wouldn't know what the hell it is. That's, a, that's the last news story we're going to talk about. Okay. Yes, but, and I have lots to say about that that is actually positive, which is surprising because I don't like Final Fantasy Thirteen. I, I just once again am sitting there going like Square Enix. It's like you, just when I thought I was out, you pull me back in. Just when I, just when I thought that you guys had gotten it together and you were going to do something really cool, you just proved to me once again that you just are incapable. Yeah. Well, at least the you know it came out later on. I don't know if you heard about it, but in the world ends with you iOS port or iOS port, there actually is like a secret ending that shows up after i don't know what the conditions are for unlocking it but it shows an illustration of a new character and it says new seven days and it basically is hinting at the world ends with you too does it end with zippers and or complete insanity so, and say and have you played the world ends with you that's what it starts with oh i know i know. I, I played a fair bit of the world ends with you i just i really didn't like the combat system i think my simple caveman brain just couldn't comprehend it I yeah, the story is pretty awesome. What, was Derek? Was it you that posted that screenshot somewhere where it had Neku saying, "I need there, there needs yeah. to be more zippers." I wish I had more zippers. Yeah, mm. I posted that on Twitter. Okay. Wait, well, wait, wait. Okay. Can you so leave me I, that? I, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, it's well. Yeah, I'll link you to it. Hold on. All but right, I you. actually think that the iOS port of World Ends with You is is really good. I actually think it's good. Yes, the pricing structure is bad because they really shouldn't be charging for two versions. I, I think it should be universal. Like, if they want to, sure, maybe they could have just charged 20 baseline and then had it work on both. I'd rather have that than have to buy it twice because I have an iPhone, but if I ever want an iPad, then it's like, okay, great. I'm screwed out of playing it unless I want to play it. Or actually, I was going to say, I think it just plays, I was going to, I thought it played low res, but somebody said that it doesn't play at all. Like, if you have the iPhone version, it won't play on an iPad at all. Yeah, I I think Ashton said that. That's atrocious. But the game is really fun, and I think that the, uh, the iOS version's combat system is actually better because I like this game a lot in the first place, but it feels a lot less messy because you're not you're not getting eye fatigue from moving from one screen to the other constantly and trying to juggle all the different commands. It feel and I don't even think that it necessarily feels more shallow. I, I'm I'm actually a huge fan of the world ends with you, so this port I'm totally behind, even though the price sucks. But, I thought that game had a fantastic story. So, I mean, the fact that it has that new ending is cool to me. Like, I, I, I didn't love the game, but like Rob, I, re- I like what it represented. I liked that it was really different. I like the music, and I really like the story. All right, yeah. we, we need to start moving on. Um, the PS Vita, if you're a fan, there are two collector's editions that have just been announced. The first one being the Persona 4 Golden Solid Gold Premium Edition, which, oh, yeah. which is uh, $69.99. Um, it comes with a game. It comes with a hoary hard pouch and a face cover that are both have all kinds of Persona 4 golden crap on it. It comes with stickers of your favorite characters, and then it also comes with the pre-order bonuses, which were uh, the protective skin, which goes on the front and your uh, Vita wallpapers. Uh, there's only 10,000 of these being made. Um, I believe that you can't pre-order at GameStop retail anymore, but you can pre-order at GameStop.com. Is 
I guess a good question. Is it really made of solid gold? No. Yes. Oh, for God's sakes. Look, Rob, shut up. This is no, I mean, they like all the like advertising materials, like it's real solid gold. And I was like, that's ridiculous. No, it's not. No, it's like, not. Well, that'd be way too expensive. And then like a bunch of comments were like, no, it really is. They wouldn't advertise it as that if it wasn't. Yeah, people I on the internet confused. are idiots. I don't know if you realize that. Um, but yeah, okay, so Persona 4 Golden. Um, there's also the Ragnarok Odyssey um, Mercenary Edition, which is going to be uh, a much more affordable $49.99. Um, that's going to come with the game, a soundtrack CD, a mercenary's guide with art book and strategies, and then 10 trading cards. So yeah, cool. I'm actually really excited for Ragnarok Odyssey. Um, we played I, that at uh, E3. That was yeah, pretty cool. It's it's fun. I I'm very excited to have more fun stuff for my uh, my Vita. You know, I bought the new Madden for Vita because I was like, I need a new Vita game, and it it, it that that was the only new one. Yeah, about <laughs> it. Give it a year or two. Hopefully, we'll get we'll start yeah. getting well, a lot there, more there, Vita games. There's lots of cool stuff coming out this fall. So I'm Soundshape is cool. But it's, not, it's also I, like I, a two-hour-long game. But I'm I'm just waiting for like Little Big Planet. I'm just waiting for a bunch of people to create awesome levels and I'll download them. There's a new add-on for Skyrim called Hearthfire, um, where you can build your own house and maybe make an orphanage and all that kind of weird stuff. And then and then all of your kids can grow up together and then get amnesia from Guardian Forces and then. And then, oh my God! You will not talk about that Final Fantasy on my Percy seeds swarming like locusts. No, it's going to be significantly less expensive. It's only four hundred Microsoft points, which is five dollars. Do you have the other news story about Skyrim? Uh, you know what? We didn't post that on the website, and I'm not sure why. But apparently, um, they they've run into a huge technical problem with uh, I forgot the name of the expansion. Dongard. Dongard. Um, with the PlayStation 3, and they're working with Sony, and it's possible that Dongard will not come out for PS3. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they're just like, yeah, developing for the PS3 is really hard. We might not be able to get this out. I, Wait, I, I'm, what could... Never mind. But now, but now, in all fairness to Bethesda, like... Skyrim was buggy as hell when they released it on I, PS3. Like, it got to the point where it was unplayable. I, I think that, that what it comes down to, and my, my brother has developed PS3 games, several of them. Um, what it comes down to is the PS3 has a very un-PC-like structure. When you're developing for the PS3, the PS3 is incredibly powerful, but only if you don't know how to use it. My guess is the developers that are working on the ports at Bethesda for the PlayStation 3 are not really PS3 developers. They're probably PC guys that were kind of put on the project. Or yeah. 360. The 360's got a very similar structure to a, to a PC. But it, it's I, I don't know what kind of technical hurdle they would run into that would make this so awful. Um, I, and I, 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 I truly don't. And that's obviously not something that they're going to tell us, but it's just, it, it seems odd. I, it's very shocking, especially on, you know, the same day we got that ground zeros trailer, but, uh, I really, really, well, that was in all fairness to that ground zeros trailer, the metal gear trailer that you're talking about, that was running on a PC. We'll talk about this after the show. Yeah, we'll talk about it after the show, but, um, I really hope that Sony is listening to this stuff and hearing developers complain about the architecture of their systems. We remember PlayStation 2 was very famously difficult to develop for. PlayStation 3 I, is obviously see, I, 
I, I did. I'm going to cut you off because I actually disagree greatly. I think that that yes, they can make them friendlier, but the way that they are structured makes games like Uncharted Three possible in regards to the graphics. That's true. That's true. When you when you use the 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 system to its potential and you create a game with that system in mind, you get great titles, and that's great, and I'm really happy for it. But you know, with the fact that so many games are released on every console, I mean, uh, you look at it, the only I, thing distinguishing the consoles is if you want to play Gears of War or Uncharted. Yeah, but I, homogeneity isn't good either. Like, no, they can't no, just make not. it, you know. No, it's not, but I think you need to make it so that these third party, from a business perspective, you need you need to make your architecture friendly for third party developers who are going to create titles for both systems and release titles for both systems the same title for both systems you need to make it friendly for them i'm not arguing that there shouldn't be something that distinguishes the two systems like i love it when my students come up to me they're like you ps3 guy or 360 guy and i'm like you realize how little i'm like do you realize how little that matters now like back in the sega genesis super nintendo game day yeah that was a huge freaking difference like there was you know you you were playing completely different games on those two systems well, but you know, yeah, you, so much homogeneity, like you were saying, you know, you look at like Shaq Fu or Shadowrun, they were completely <laughs> they were different games. Shaq Fu had like six less characters on the Super Nintendo. Why are you, why are you laughing at me? Two Sha- examples. Because two Shaq ex- Fu is like the best game ever, dude, on both consoles. <laughs> your, your two examples were Shaq Fu. <laughs> And Shadowrun. Yeah, well, Shadowrun Shadow was, was amazing, dude. It's not even like you went Shadowrun, Shaq Fu. No, the first thing that came to you, dude. Shaq. Let's let us let us not I mean, let's not split here, sir. Shaq Fu is the best fighting game ever made. Yes. Hey, wait, wait. Shut up and Jam Gaiden is an RPG, right? Yes. Yes. Shut and up and Jam Gaiden, and it's awesome too. <laughs> It's one of the best RPG Maker games ever, but it really is. Okay, next topic. Um, there's a new Professor Layton coming out, which is called Professor Layton Kyoju to Chobunmei uh, no Isan. Uh, I actually speak yeah. Japanese. It means um, Professor Layton and the marvelous mustache. <laughs> no, apparently it's wow. Professor Layton and the Legacy of Super Civilization A. Um, it's coming out next year for the 3DS. We have almost no details whatsoever, but there's moving on. Presumably, it will involve some sort of puzzles. Yes, mystery. Uh, Bastion is on iPad. Ray, um, okay. is an awesome game. If for some reason you have not played it on Chrome or Mac or Steam yeah. or Xbox, eh. um, yeah. it's it's five dollars on iPad. Yeah. Whatever, Rob. I'm going to go over there and punch you in the dick. <laughs> Y'all know where I live. Oh, yes, I do. You uh, <laughs> live is like right on your Facebook, bro. Um, Fall, iOS, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney Trilogy HD. Sweet. I get to finally play the other two games. So, I object. Um, but you know Capcom's going to like do something stupid like make it that you have to play all of them in a row or something like you just know you just know they're going to do something that I don't know what I I don't know why you wouldn't want to play them all in a row but no I agree um that if they don't let you just be like oh I already played the first game let's go to game two um but it looks cool um I mean we don't really have anything other than a screenshot of the judge objection (laughs) Uh, but no things actually do look very nice in the game um it's very obviously in HD 
that's what we need to do. If we meet up for E3, we need to get a bootleg copy of the movie and just get really drunk and watch that. What? Mine, what? That the, Phoenix Wright it, movie. Which which got great reviews, and everybody says it's awesome. Like, it's actually the best. Oh, movie. yeah. No, I actually um, – I have a couple of friends that live in Japan that were, like, telling me, like, no, it was really good. I go, oh, it was, like, cheesy good? They're like, no, no, it was amazing. Like, there, so, like there's actually like, intrigue. Like, the director apparently, like, he doesn't normally do game movies, and he's, like, a really, really noted director. And, like, he took it really seriously. And, like, apparently, like, even, like, the ridiculous haircuts are taken so seriously that you're you're watching it, like – yeah, yeah, I cut my hair like that. It, it's probably it's probably funnier than the uh, Chinese Street Fighter movie. Have you guys ever watched that? No. The one where all the Street Fighter people fight Goku at the end of it? I'm not making this up. It actually exists. Go watch Movie Bob. He talks about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so weird. There are four DLCs planned for Borderlands 2, and you can get them all ahead of time if you buy a season pass. For Objection! 30 bucks. I don't object. I object. All right. The, the DLC for Borderlands 1 was all excellent, and it wasn't at all the your typical, hey, here's a game, and here's some crappy DLC. It was full-fledged expansion content that you got a good couple of hours out of. It was fun. It added to the game, and that was with a game that wasn't even built to accept DLC. Borderlands 2, they've built it to accept it. It's four campaign DLCs, and the fact is, if you like Borderlands, you're getting basically a Diablo 2 expansion style expansion with these. How much and is it? How much is it for the, the? If you buy them separately, it's forty-five dollars. If you buy the pass, it's thirty. If, if you buy them separately, it's forty. It's ten dollars a piece separately, or okay. thirty for the pack. Okay. Um. I. I guess I'm just a. I, this is more sticker shock for me because one of the reasons I picked up Borderlands 2 was because it was a little bit. It was like five dollars off one weekend on Steam, like during the Steam sale. I. I, I guarantee you, Borderlands base pack is gonna have like sixty hours of content if you want to. I. I, I know, but oh, it's, yeah, no it's just a little. It's just a little bit of sticker shock because it, it was like I. I got it for a little cheaper, and I got it so I could play the the extra character class that they're gonna put in the game. I really like the idea of that character class. But then for them to do this, like I, I, I know guys, I know I'm being completely like ridiculous and yes. like ultra conservative about my wallet. But this was just like a, it, it was a little punch in the kidneys that I didn't need. And maybe it's because like I, I'm I'm strapped for cash right now. But it it just I just don't think that's fair though. Like there's always there was always going to be DLC for this game. And the fact is that they have put a crap load of stuff into the main game. And they're giving away the the first character. Like, if you pre-order the game, you get that first DLC for free. Like, that's it. And then, like, you know, people who are going to buy this DLC anyway, it's a really good deal for them. Because I know I'm going to buy all four DLCs. So I'm going to get this pass and save myself 10 bucks. Okay. I, I guess I just I, – I don't know. Like, I, I don't – you know what it is? You know what it is? I just realized it. And I didn't just make it. You a don't part. like Borderlands. No, 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 dude. I, I, I wouldn't have bought Borderlands two if I didn't think that I was gonna have fun with it. You know my thoughts on Borderlands one. I'm hoping I like two more. If I, you don't, I'm probably gonna actually have to destroy you. Like I would uh, probably like murder you. you. You completely knocked. You completely knocked. Oh, here's what. Here's what my point was. <laughs> I don't like having to commit. This is the exact same reason that I don't like the the, subs the subscription model in MMOs, and maybe that's why I like Guild Wars 2. I don't like having to commit more money for a product that I'm not sure if I'm going to enjoy. This is the reason I didn't sign up for but, Kickstarter. But, but you, you don't have to. You don't have to. Like, it's not but like it, – it, it, Rob, it's not like this DLC pack is going to be, oh, okay, you have to buy it right now at this price. You can go and you can buy the Gears of War 3 or Forza – season passes on xbox live 
and all of the DLCs are out for those. So there isn't going to be a limit to where to when I can buy the season pass. It's either I can buy the season pass or I can pick and choose. Yes, that the, yeah. it, okay. It, it, then it, then it, I'm not complaining, but I okay. I still but I I still like okay. Did did anybody expect that they were going to do a zombie scenario for Borderlands One and then follow that up by the uh, well? Okay, we could probably anticipate a zombie scenario, but then like that they did the Mad Moxie and then they did the Claptraps Rebellion. I'm not sure if I want to play all those. And so if the first one comes out and I'm interested in it, then, then I'm sitting there going, well, do I want to pay for the season pass? I'm not sure what the next expansions are going to be. It's just, well, it's, it's, that's just like putting in the cash for any game. It's like, well, I think I'm going to enjoy like this content. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's true. I, I guess I just, uh, I don't know what it is, but I just feel, I feel gouged and I know I, I know I shouldn't feel that, but I don't like this practice. I maybe I'm being a, a completely ridiculous person well, right now. I, I but think I, I just don't like it. I think that the we we've had lots of discussions about DLC, so I don't want to drag this out longer than about a minute. But I, I think that it it's a change to say, Okay, I'm going to pay beyond the initial sticker price for this additional content. I I, I don't think that that's been ingrained. And you know what? Lots of people don't want to buy DLC, don't like the concept of DLC, but I think that it's part of the the marketplace now. Yeah, and I'm I'm fine with that. I guess I just don't want. So if you don't if yeah. you, if you don't want to pay ahead of time because you're not sure what content you might like, you can buy the individual pieces. Okay, exactly. Or you can buy nothing. And, yeah, and. Keep in mind too, they also said this doesn't mean there will only be four campaign DLCs. They said this is just this pass will get you access to those first four for less than if you bought them separately. And for me, I, I own all the original Borderlands DLC, and I like playing Borderlands for the sake of Borderlands. Some of the DLC is not as good. Mad Moxie is not as good. Claptrap and General Knox are awesome. So, you know, for me, I don't feel like I, I wasted any money. And for two, it's like, you know, if one of these DLCs is okay and, the, and you know, the other ones are, are good, as long as it's more Borderlands, I'm basically paying for an expansion pack. Okay. All right. Um, coming out for an estimated four hundred and forty-six dollars and ninety cents in Japan is the Final Fantasy twenty-fifth anniversary ultimate box, which I feel is amazingly overpriced, but it's a collector's item. It has every single Final Fantasy, with the exception of fourteen. Um, thirteen. <laughs> no, it's got thirteen. Are you sure? I don't think it has thirteen too. Oh, it doesn't have 13 2. It doesn't have the 2s. It doesn't yeah, have 10 doesn't have 2 or 13 2. Or 13 2. 2. It has every Ooh. single numbered 1. So it's got the PS1's versions of 1 and 2, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, the PSP version of 3, the PS2 versions of 10, 11 Vanna DL Collection 2, and 12, and the PS3 version of 13, and a collector's special anniversary DVD an artworks, artworks visual collection, a two-disc music collection, a code for Final Fantasy XIV Mogu Mogu earring, and a mini replica of a Amano Final Fantasy 25th anniversary visual withstand. I don't know what that is. Okay, I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. Even I can't justify that. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I like the idea of it. Um, some of the cool things about it, though, like that are worth noting, it's not actually like you're not getting like the original boxes. You're getting like this giant sleeve with like new art on each one of them. And it, it's cool, but it's a little not disappointing. But like if you look at the Final Fantasy IX art, we'll use my favorite. The art is cool, but it's also the same art like for seven, eight, nine, which are, you know, three, four and four discs. 
rather than getting the original games where you had, you know, a different character in each one or like a different piece of art. I don't think seven was that way, but now you're just getting a different color of each different version of the art as opposed to different characters and stuff. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a little bit different. It's still the collector's edition, I guess. Like, like, like for me, just looking at each of these games, I can buy every single one of these games um, and put them all together and have spent less than a hundred dollars. Yeah. So, yeah, you no, know would that, make a better Final Fantasy collector's piece. Have you guys seen the uh, the box set of Yoshitaka Amano stuff, the art box set called The Sky? No, I haven't, but I love his artwork. I yeah, like I actually it. don't like his artwork. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. either, but oh, I love it. He's uh, pretty polarizing. But there's a box set of it's an 800 page box set of art, uh, prints, postcards, other signed stuff, a flip book, and it's a uh, it's listed at about 140 bucks. Amazon was selling it for 88, and I pre-ordered it, but it is gone. Uh, what so, is? It? Oh, it's gone. Oh. Yeah, like oh. they're not taking orders on it anymore. I was actually thinking about canceling it because it's so expensive, but now I have to. Anyway, I was just gonna say, like, that's more material than probably what. I mean, it's not games, but there's probably more stuff in that box than what comes in the um, FF Anniversary Collection for you know what, almost 400 dollars cheaper. If that comes back out on Amazon, I want it. Yes. I actually, um, interestingly, too, about the music collection CD, I, I've been trying to find out. I don't even think it's, like, arranged music. I think it's literally just, like, two discs of selected tracks from these game soundtracks, which is sort of underwhelming for $440. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, I, I think, John, as soon as I was like, wow, that sounds like a really good thing, like a good collection, I want it. Wait, $450? Are, are you kidding yeah. Keep keep in mind though too, it's also in yen. So like, if it came out here, it would probably be closer to like three hundred. Yeah, but I I I doubt. I have my doubts that it will come here. It won't. Um, I, I have my doubts, but um, especially because we haven't had Final Fantasy three PSP announced in North America yet, even though the Japanese version has an English option. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next. Speaking of Final Fantasy. No, no, I got one more before. Oh, okay. Torchlight two comes out the twentieth. Woo-hoo. The game that everybody will say is better than Diablo 3, regardless of whether or not it is better than I, Diablo 3. I will agree with you there. I think that it, everyone who's like, ah, Diablo, blah, 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 will be like, oh, my God, it's Torchlight. I like clicking on stuff. Yeah, that's not me passing judgment on Torchlight 2. I, I don't know if I'm going to play it. I probably I, I'm kind of like all clicked out, I think, for the year, but I do want to try it. And yeah, I'll be completely objective of it. Diablo 3 has serious issues, and they've done some things to make it better, but they still have more work to do. And hey, I I think the Paragon system is a great way to make the game better, but there's still issues in the Inferno mode that I'm not happy about. But like Torch, but Torchlight 2, it's funny because I thought Torchlight 2 was screwed because of Diablo 3. I think it's actually going to be saved because of Diablo 3 now. Yeah, because of all the negativity on Diablo 3, that game is going to sell so much more now. I'm not even negative on Diablo 3, but Diablo 3 is not Diablo 2, and it's not its not the game a lot of people were hoping it would be because it's never going to be, no matter what they change, it's never going to be the wacky, chaotic item hunt that Diablo 2 was. Torchlight 2 may actually be that. Um, I've already paid for it. I think it looks awesome. But, you know, it, it, it definitely is going to benefit from all the backlash from Diablo. I, I think that that was very smart of them to wait until September because they're looking at everything that went into Diablo 3 that was a mistake and going, yeah, let's not do that. No, I, I don't think it's that. I think it's that they literally got caught with the, ah, oh, crap, Diablo 3 is coming out first. Wait a minute. The community's like 
kind of pissy about this. Oh, okay, that works. Like, I, I don't think their intention was to come out after Diablo 3 and make a better product. I think they had every intention of beating Diablo 3 to the punch. But, you know, Diablo 3 came out. I enjoyed it, but a lot of people were really pissed off about it, rightfully so in many examples. And now they're all going to jump on Torchlight 2 and be like, oh, my God. These are like the people... Okay, I don't want to use that analogy because it'll make it sound like I'm hating on Diablo on uh, Torchlight 2. But these, it's going to be like the people that said True Crime was better than Grand Theft Auto. Which Sleeping Dogs is awesome, by the way. Is yes. it really? True, like, yeah. Sleeping Dogs is so kick-ass, dude. How long have you guys played it? Because I've heard it really goes downhill after a while. Uh, I played for like three hours. I haven't gotten particularly far. Okay. but Steam sale yeah. in December. I will wait for it. So um, I, I, again, I was only saying that as like a an analogy for like people trying to jump on something to make it theirs because they don't like the popular I, thing. I, I have a, I'm yeah, not oh, saying that that's going to happen. Torchlight Two is definitely hipster Diablo, but uh, <laughs> I I I have absolutely no doubt the guys at Runic are great. It's going to be a top quality game, and it's only going to be twenty bucks. If you like clicking on stuff. The 20th, click on more stuff. There's more stuff to click. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. Last news story. Uh, we're out. I'm, I'm quitting the podcast now. <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about this. Lightning. I really would like to talk about this. Final Fantasy 13. Um, Which, uh, again, is right up there with Metal Gear Revengeance as the dumbest freaking titles coming out of Japan. You don't understand. Uh, this means that the next one can be called Lightning Forever, and then the last one can be called Lightning and Hope. <laughs> <laughs> and we can see nipples only this time you'll want to see the nipples too far well, i i like hope person. i do like hope <laughs> <laughs> now now uh, okay no but, dude so okay before before you assault it rob let's <laughs> let's take it basically what they've said this game is is crisis core with lightning in it Okay, is that what they? Because like I read the description, I was like, I don't think you answered any of my he, questions. He, here, here's my big question about Final Fantasy 13 Lightning Returns or Lightning Returns Final Fantasy 13. Like, what version of the characters are they going to use? Because all of Final Fantasy 13 2's wacky time travel crap, are they going to use regular Hope? Are they going to use the adult Hope? Are they, you know, what's what's going to go on? Why was Saz not any different? Why was Hope different? Like the all the all the weird character-related plot holes in Final Fantasy 13 2. I want to know how they're going to deal with that in Lightning Returns. Yeah, I, I want to know that. And for me, it's like, again, I know Derek doesn't agree with me on this, but I really think the cast in that entire series is really lacking, like, just personality-wise. They're all just basically anime tropes that, you know, the, because of the nature of the writing, there, there's no, like, you're not attached to these characters at all. Lightning is only a popular character because she's the least bad and you know like i, I, I hey, no if, I, if you say if, sad, if you say for example that's bad that's true yeah that's true i you know have th to think, think of this plan. analogy look at if you look at the red letter media reviews of the star wars prequels in order to get people to look at why the characters in the prequels are bad they said okay describe han solo and don't use any physical attributes and people would say, oh, he's roguish, he's a scoundrel, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then they would say, describe Qui-Gon Jinn. And they'd he's be like, stoic. he's got a beard. <laughs> exact same thing with Final Fantasy 13. Without describing physical attributes, every character in that game, okay, Lightning, uh, she's angry. Snow, uh, he wants to be a hero. Hope, annoying. <laughs> and, you know, it, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it here because I didn't care for the plot in that game, but I feel like they're hinging so much on this character. And it's like, I feel like the fans would rather see, I don't know, Final Fantasy versus 13, which they must have some work done on. Well, apparently it's not going to be a TGS. It, yeah. That's a surprise how. Uh, I'm I'm just saying that apparently, you know, it's still in production and we'll just see. Yeah, I really hope they're pulling a bait and switch on that and they're just like, yeah, it's not going to be there. And then they show like a 20 minute gameplay demo that just is like, yeah, it comes out next week. Suck on that. Like, I almost hope they do that at this point. I was honestly expecting Lightning Returns to be Final Fantasy Versus 13 with lightning stuffed into it. Yeah, they just they got rid of emo dude Noctis, Noctis whatever. I feel like we know more about him than we do about uh, Lightning Returns. Do we? So is it going to be an action RPG? Like what the it, hell is it? Uh, it? The game is meant to showcase lightning speed and abilities more than previous games, with a focus on quote button response unquote. <laughs> I love how Square Enix is almost helpful when they yeah, come it, up with the product it, description. It, it's it's a button response. They're going to use it in their uh, oh god, what was the marketing term they used for like uh, Code Age Commanders? Um, I know what you're talking about. It was like something real, like weird, synergistic, polymorphic content. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> Which what about that, Nintendo's that, I, asymmetric gameplay? It, uh, I Ace, just okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut off right here. I'm gonna say one thing. Asymmetric gameplay is the one thing that will make the Wii U successful. And if uh, Nintendo doesn't capitalize on it, they are screwed. They should probably also make a Dungeons and Dragons game, where one player is the dungeon master and the rest of them are adventurers. Oh, that would yes. be a good idea. I, I well, heard that. Steven I, needs to be in game design. No, he didn't, I said he this, didn't come up with that. I said this at E3. I, I've I've been saying this forever. That'd be awesome. Uh, okay, so we have Final Fantasy 13, 3, Lightning Returns, whatever the hell you want to call it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Steven says I need to share my opinions. I like Final Fantasy 13. I think 13, 2 was a lot of wasted potential. I don't think Lightning is a bad character. Okay. There. I, I don't think she's a bad character. I, I just don't think I played enough of Final Fantasy 13 to realize what she was. Everybody who says that she's Cloud, I'm like, no, she's not. She's, she's not. She's real. People forget that. Okay, first off, maybe Cloud is not the best written character in video games because he just goes through so many different character arcs over the course of that game. But, like, I always think of Cloud at the start of uh, what you call it, at the start of Seven, where he's on the elevator and Barrett's just berating him about, like, hippie tree hugging. And he's just like, what do I care? Like, that's Cloud's character. He's yeah. just, like, a mercenary. He does not give a crap about the planet. Meanwhile, Lightning is, like, actually trying to accomplish something. You know, I, I agree that they're not. I like it all because cloud dresses like a woman <laughs> there's a lot of truth in I, that. I, I to, to derek i say i don't dislike lightning i just feel like she reminds me a lot of the character of the cast in final fantasy 8 i don't hate the cast in final <coughs> fantasy 8. i just feel nothing for them because they're all just they're just there like everybody but squall and rinoa is just there as filler and Squall and Rhinoa are basically we're in love, and Squall is also angry. <laughs> well, and with Lightning, I feel like the only thing you can define her by is, oh, I have a relationship with my sister, and I'm angry because the world I'm put sorry, this I'd, fate on me. Uh, you've talked about Final Fantasy VIII's characters, and I All threw right. up in my mouth. A I, little I, bit. I think we're done. Trains, hot dogs. I, I think we're done. Puppies, <laughs> love and peace. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, I think I think we've reached. Uh, 
Yeah. Critical mass. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for listening to the RPG Fan Podcast. As always, hit us up on the boards with any questions. Send emails to podcast at rpgfan.com. Give us reviews on iTunes. Thank, thank you, everyone, for sticking with us through 50 episodes. And here's looking at 50 more episodes until I'm fired when Dark Souls 3 comes out. Take care, guys. Thank you again. Oh, oh, Stephen, tell me more about Dark Souls. Well, see, Dark Souls is this game. <laughs> it has a type of Super Metroid-style progression uh, and a very, very <clears throat> realistic... Uh, I'm going to go get John. <laughs>